Hello, people. This is episode 138 of Just Because the Human Experience Podcast. I'm Michael Lobo. Um, my guest for this episode was Lydia Quinones. I practiced that for seven hours. This was recorded July 11th. Today is July 24th. I really enjoyed this conversation. We we went all over the place, and then and then she'd bring up something that that we'd go down that tangent, and then go to something else that she brings up, and she was just super interesting. I really enjoyed the honesty, and that that's something I I pride my uh, self pride myself in these these podcasts. Is I would hope you know people come on and and are honest, and if people are going to be honest, I should also. Uh, be honest with you know what we're going through and what we've been through in the world um it's kind of a complicated that's a that's a word to describe what i'm going through last night my uh my dad died and he passed uh he was in the hospital for a week and a half and we decided as a family to to transition him to comfort care um and it, it's just strange. Um, Lydia and I talk about our dads and um, a couple of the experiences we go through. And if, if you've listened to this, and um, I'm sure the seven of you have, you're familiar with some of my stories. But it's just a strange headspace I'm currently in. Just wanted to update you on that. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope to have her on again, either just as a one-on-one conversation or have her on with a group and see see the the cool conversation magic that ensues from that enjoy it's raining whiskey and coke Headphones, headphones would be helpful. Oh, how's it going? Not bad. How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm currently on summer break because I'm a teacher, and uh, I always get really grumpy towards the end of a break. What do you uh, teach? Pre-K, so they're four and five-year-olds. That's yeah. adorable. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, which makes it easy to to go into work. But we had a week off, so it's been all right. Yeah. Thank you for doing this, Lydia. I really appreciate yeah. this. I know we tried I, before. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I'm worried that you're going to find that I'm not very interesting, but. <laughs> lies. These are all lies. I'll will, I will do my best. This is, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. We usually start with uh, the best and worst part of your week, sort of to, to warm up a little bit. Um, well, I'm going to just, you know, be generic and say that the best part was getting paid because, you know, being a teacher, summers are always tight. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see if this is better. And then the worst, I thought about it. I really don't have a worst. You know, I've lived in some pretty depressing circumstances and I have air conditioning. I have running water. I don't have to walk downstairs, three flights of stairs and walk to market to get fresh water to drink. I don't have to take a two hour bus ride to the grocery store to get meat. So I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that way of looking at it. Um, yeah. to appreciate 
the little things and even remembering back to when you you didn't yeah. uh, have stuff. Yeah. And for people who have never had that struggle, I think it's easy to focus on little things like I had to clean out the cat box today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dog pooped on the floor everywhere. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Imagine taking a bus ride two hours to get cat fan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That'd be, uh, I can, I can see that being frustrating. That's one way. Yeah. Oy. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, so where are you from? Where were you born? I was born in California, but my grandparents are immigrants from Mexico and the Philippines and military brat. We traveled around a lot. After I got my teaching degree, I moved abroad to, uh, China, communist China. And then I just came back in 2015. So I've been here for a little bit. What has been some of the cultural differences jumping from from place to place? Was was there any that really stuck out to you when you would go to a new place? Mm -hmm. I mean, hygiene is probably the biggest one. We've got a really clean country here. Um, You don't have to pay for toilet paper when you go to a public restroom. It's just expected that it's there. Whereas if you're in Asia or even Italy, you have to buy toilet paper at the door or just carry it on you at all times. Like if you're in Venice, there's a little gal that sits at the table and she takes your money and gives you out some squares and the, the toilet's a hole in the floor. In China, there were situations where the toilet was a hole in the floor across from another hole in the floor so you're making dead eye contact with somebody as they're doing their business yeah and you just you got to get it done because yeah find anything better or once it was a big it was one long trench and all the women would just squat over the trench and if you saw like a cell phone float by you just let it go because yeah nobody's going in the (laughs) trench yeah oh my goodness yeah i remember when i went to the philippines and we, we had to take the bus to uh our town and they stopped for the bathroom, right? And um, they, they did, they had the long trench, but it's like in a bucket. So like a long bucket, like a trough, I guess. And they were like, okay, go go to the bathroom. And I said, I can't go in there. There's men in there. <laughs> and I just, they are like, I mean, that's that's you either. I don't know what you want to do. Um, yeah. That was uh, pretty big. When I was, you know, looking at your Instagram profile and, you know, the first thing you have up there, I mean, besides artists is Yaki Filipina. And mm-hmm. I thought, Oh my God. And I don't know if this is like a, a Filipino thing where if we find each other, I know, like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. my grandmother was from Manila. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. And why, why is that? I always find what people put in their, their bios uh, very interesting, what they choose to put. And that's your, your second well, thing under artists. I yeah. mean, that's, that's usually I wouldn't mention it, but I kind of have to do that for my protection because I'm very pale. It's the Maya Yaki part of me. Mm-hmm. My mother um, always identified as colored. Uh, growing up, she, she would tell a story about how her and her brother Michael would sit in the middle of the bus because if you're white, you sat at the front. If you're black, you sat at the back. But everyone in the middle who didn't know where they belonged just to like avoid being beaten up would just kind of like sit on the border. And my sister's really dark. My mom has jet black hair, natural. And then I'm just very pale, born with blue eyes, blonde hair. But it's the Maya part that people don't realize that there are people down in Mexico with blonde hair, blue Mm -hmm. eyes. And so it's very easy to get targeted racially. And so I have to include that. And I I don't want to. It's like I shouldn't have to say that I'm a woman. 
I, I shouldn't have to say that I'm a human, but yeah. I feel like it, it might come to that point where I have to label for all the labels on a t-shirt and wear them just so I don't get targeted. And it seems there's just like a lot of overcompensation in society right now. So I am just like, like in China, in a communist country, you just keep your head down and you follow what everyone else is doing. Because mm-hmm. if you stand out, they have a, a saying in China that the nail that stands up the tallest gets hit down the hardest. I don't want to be that nail that gets hit down hardest. I'm a very sensitive person. I have a very tender heart. I teach children like you. So I feel things. So I'm just keeping my head down and blending in until everything dies down. Yeah. What age group do you teach? I teach high school, but I have taught kindergarten and elementary. But yeah, right now I teach high school. Uh, It's an alternative school. So my kids are, um, they just didn't fit in with their big schools or um, they had circumstances in their life. Like maybe babies having babies, maybe they have a kid. So they dropped out of school or they dropped out of school to work to support their family, or they just had a run in with something and court hearings <laughs> just interfere with them going to the main school. So yeah, those are my kids. And how long have you been teaching? Um, I've been teaching since 2009. Okay. But six and a half of those years were in China. Teaching under communism is totally different than teaching in American style schools. Yeah, I was going to ask what are some of the, the differences there? So in Asia, and I'm not going to vouch for all of Asia, but I know like in Thailand that it goes, the king is at the top of the pyramid and then it goes down to the, the monks or the king and the politicians and the monks. And then below that is the teachers and below that is like the police and da, da, da. So we're above Whoa. police. So when you walk down the street, the, the children will actually do the, it's called the, I think it's called a Y where you put little hands in a prayer and they say, um, and they kind of bow to you as a teacher. And it was also like that in China, when school was ending and I would teach middle school, the teachers would walk out of the building first, which is not like that in America. The yeah. teachers walk out of the building first and all the students line up along the, like the sidewalk, like a little procession and they salute and they say, okay. and it's like, Oh, I don't know. It's, teachers are very appreciated. They're not, necessarily paid well but they're so valued and so appreciated and respected and if something happens the the parents are very involved they're they're very um concerned about uh, i would get requests can you give my student extra homework what we never get this in america i mean the school i'm at now we can't give homework so yeah we would get requests for extra homework or um extra tutoring. Yeah, the the parents are very involved. So when I hear things about Asians just are naturally smarter, and that's why uh, we should mark them down when they try to go into big universities. No, I've seen it firsthand. It's just their parents are very involved in their education because there's a lot riding on their shoulders. When you live in a country with so many people, your children have to get a good job to support you. Because it's just competition out there and there's no social security. So no one's going to take care of the elderly except their children. So that's why they succeed is there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't that know works. how I got on that tangent. Sorry. No, no, it works. Uh, it, it makes sense. Like it, here, when people find out I'm a teacher, it's not revered as um, like if you hear other people, I don't know, like 
graphic designer or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Athletes. Why do athletes get paid so much? Um, sorry, that just popped in my head. Uh, I know. But I know. teachers they get paid so um, so shitty. Yeah. Well, we have that saying: those who can't do teach. I hate yeah. that. I <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, you couldn't make it as a real artist, and now you're teaching art. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Or I'll get the. Uh, is this what you always wanted to do? Like something mm-hmm. failed. Like something failed for me somewhere, and um, I ended up in teaching. How was your relationship with? with your parents, because you brought up, you know, you're sensitive and tenderhearted and mm-hmm. um, you seem to have a great grasp on the world. Was that instilled early on or did you piece that together growing up? That would be my mother. Any Anything of adaptability within me is from my mother. My father, see, I thought we were white growing up. I didn't know, like, I just knew we weren't black. So I thought if you weren't black, you must be white. Like those are the only two options mm-hmm. um, because my uncle Marco is very cholo and he speaks with his heavy Spanish accent and he was part of a gang in um, Inglewood. And so he lived a very thug lifestyle. My father is the complete opposite. Never drank, never smoked, that whole thing. And when my father speaks, it's a very like flat, like Obama, mm-hmm. like this even if you didn't know his education, you would assume this man must be educated because of the persona he puts on. And I didn't really learn anything culturally from my father. We did what we did to blend in. But on my mother's side, um, we grew up with a lot of Japanese artwork because my grandmother lived in an internment camp uh, during World War II in Manila. And mm-hmm. that's a fun story. So we grew up with a lot of uh, Japanese-influenced things and artwork. Um, and that's actually why I chose persimmons for my painting, is we grew up with a lot of um, prints from this Japanese artist, Hakumaki. He was a kamikaze pilot. And before he was supposed to fly his mission, World War II ended. So he went to school and became an art teacher. And I have some of his prints on my wall, and he does these persimmons, which are amazing. And so that always influenced me anything worldly or adaptable ability of of me or whatever um that's from my mother she was a very caring person where my father was very well you hear the stereotype that yakis are very um they can hold a grudge uh-huh. <laughs> my father can hold a grudge until the day he dies yeah and, and never said i love you never said you know that sort of thing just very business-like yeah when you're talking about the internment camps that reminded me my mom would she lost her brother because when the japanese came to uh la union they killed her brother um just to like looking back at uh, the the history of the philippines and then they were called they were colonized before that by the spanish for like 300 years i think it's just interesting hearing people how they, they piece together their uh identity what kind of kid were you in school uh very shy I came from I'm gonna say a broken home um it's better to come from one than to live in one I suppose but so when my parents got divorced my mom lived with a boyfriend that was very abusive and then went to another man who was very abusive that later became my stepfather and he died a couple months ago but I mean it was hard 
living with a very alcoholic father. You know, as a 15-year-old, you come home, and there's blood all over the floor because he fell down the stairs and shattered his nose up into his brain. But uh, the more the more seizures he had, the nicer he got. It's very strange. Like, I actually, I was very thankful for all the all the seizures he would have. Um, every time he would go through withdrawals, um, he would have a seizure, and he would be a little nicer. But um, you know, that's not something that teenagers should have to grow up with. Like, if you're bringing over your friends, you say, "Hang on," and you run ahead and you open the door and you make sure no one's drunk mm. lying on the floor just so that you can have your friends inside and that's something um a teenager shouldn't have to go through and i mean there are other things but despite like how bad it was he was the only father i knew because my real father my yaki father um kind of gave up on me i was never good enough in his eyes um he got a new family with that came with a daughter and and a son and I was I was just uh, you know the leftover and so um, when I talk about my father sometimes I use both memories interchangeably sometimes you think sometimes I'm talking about Renee my biological father and sometimes I'm talking about Dave the father my mother married into in my mind I just kind of pick and choose pieces of their personality that I like. And I, I imagine the father that I should have had, but um, yeah, I think uh, growing up very shy, very introvert, because there's a lot of secrets mm -hmm. in families and you have to balance just to um, put on that persona that you think everybody has a perfect life and I'm sure they don't, but you just, you got to make it look like such so you can blend in. You know that the the nail that stands up the tallest gets hit down the hardest. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, like being honest. Sorry. Uh, no, no, I, I, uh, I want this to be open conversation wherever, wherever you want to go uh, with it. Okay. It reminded me, you know, the, the like running ahead because my, my dad was abusive and it's sort of similar because I didn't, well, I didn't find out he wasn't my biological father until I was a senior in high school. So then I said, wait, so what? Then who's the other guy that, that <laughs> kicked me and my mom out? What? Uh, and I remember talking to my um, therapist the other day that I, I wasn't mad at the, the stepdad who raised me because at least he raised me, even though he, he physically abused um, my mom yeah. and I. Yeah, um, that's how I felt. Yeah, so it, it, it's a weird... Um, it's a weird thing to accept. I, it, I, I can't even really put into words that, that sort of popped up for me. And uh, was there stuff looking back that, that happened? And we don't, as much as you're comfortable sharing. Oh, yeah. I'll, um, I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> um, that you look back now as an adult and you go, oh, okay, that's why uh, that happened. I, I remember being mad at my mom a lot, sort of blaming her for letting him do that to us. And now looking back, like that's not a fair um, thing to have. Um, we we never could have friends over at the house, and I I wondered why. And then I thought, okay, because they fought every day, and things were flying, and uh, we would be the punching bag. So of course we're not going to have uh, friends over. Is there anything like that for you that yeah. you look back and? Um, a lot of things. Like I 
I too, I, I saw a counselor and I really went home and thought about things. And I came to the conclusion that my parents were good people. They paid their taxes and they would help out little animals, you know, put out food and water for the stray cats. They were just terrible parents. Mm. And I can like them or, or appreciate them as people, but I don't have to like them as parents. And um, I realized a lot of the things that I was resentful at my mom towards, like um, she made $500 too much for us to be on welfare. And the judge um, at, at the divorce hearing, the judge, judge recommended she quit her job and go on welfare so that she could go back to school and support me and my sister. And she told the judge, no one in our family has ever been on welfare and I won't be the first. So as a result, she had to live with an abusive boyfriend and us, we all, all had to live with a very abusive boyfriend. And I couldn't understand why, like she would pick that, but you know, people got their pride and um, it, it could have turned out so many ways, but you can't dwell on that. Um, right. Was you have to be loyal to your future, not your past. So yeah, there, there's things I reflect on and I think, okay, well, I mean, like, that was one way, that was one decision to make, but I don't know if she made the right one or not, but I have to just be appreciative for where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still struggle with that. I'll still have those, those dips in my, uh, my day where I sort of dwell and I'm angry and uh, I might drink uh, just to sort of numb it. But um yeah, to sort of appreciate the moment and, and what can be. And um, yeah, that's that's difficult, but yeah, I think it's definitely worth um, trying. With teaching now, how did you get into it? What was your journey? So my journey, that's funny. You know, I could say, oh, my, my grandmother was an art teacher, which she was. She was an art teacher in Los Angeles. Um, and that was inspirational, but it just, it happened. I mean, I always... I've always liked art, but I actually went into nursing and I hated it. My mom said, um, if you go into medical field, you'll always have a job. And I just, I couldn't do it. It was. We have the same mom. Yeah. Have, <laughs> yeah. You'll always have a job. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be a nurse or a dental hygienist or mm-hmm. x-ray technician. And so I had, um, all these credits. Like I'd been taking a lot of art credits on the side, just to keep myself sane. And so I dropped out of my clinicals and took a little break. And then I went back to the counselor and told him I needed to do something with my life. And he said, what do you like? And I said, well, I like art. He said, you could teach art. And I said, but can I make a living? And he said, well, we'll worry about that when we get there. Wow. <laughs> and so I took a chance. And then I graduated in 2009 when, with the recession and nobody was hiring art teachers. And so I put my resume online and two days later, a university in Nanchang, China called mm-hmm. me and they said, so they needed teachers, especially female teachers, because I guess females are less likely to go over than males. And so I said, okay, and sold everything I had and uh, got a, a visa and a trip to China. Yeah. That's super intense. Um, to, yeah, I didn't know the just... language or anything as I'm sitting on the airplane, like a 14-hour flight. I had I had some time to think about it. Oh, my gosh. I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. I don't even know who's meeting me at the airport. This could be like some sort of trafficking stuff. Yeah. 
is all a trick. <laughs> I was in my like mid twenties, so I was very gullible, <laughs> but very, but very like you know you think the best of people. And now yeah. I'm older, I think you know what's this person up to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's. I mean, I guess that that comes with time. Um, my my mom, same thing. Be a nurse. My older sister is a nurse. My younger brothers are engineers, and then I. I went into acting and studied psychology. And then wow. uh, uh, it was just like, Michael, what are you doing? Why would you do this? And um, and I realized now sort of the weight of like immigrating here. She put everything into it. And then like older sister, nurse, Michael wants to go play pretend on stage and um, do things artistically. And so uh, that took her a while. We butted heads with that. When I was looking at your different art pieces on, on your Instagram, you work with a lot of different, and I, I don't know the proper term, but like mediums. Me, mediums. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, how in the world? I, I would feel like one is really difficult and you have to get super good at it. And then another one would be difficult. But I was going through them and they're phenomenal stuff that you do. How are you able to balance and take the time to practice all of that? I don't. I'm terrible. I go through phases. I so I have, I have ADD and like, I'll get on something and I'll research it to like the nth degree. And then I'll, I'll get really into it. And I'll get all the supplies. Like when I lived up in Washington, I had these baby goats, these little Angora <gasps> goats, and they were the size of puppies. And I saw them, well, I saw them in a newspaper ad, like, you know, Craigslist or something like that, but it was in the newspaper back when people read newspapers. Yeah. And so I went to the woman's house and I saw these little baby goats the size of like little puppies. And one of them was itching his ear with his back leg. I said, oh my gosh, I have to have one. And she said, you can't have one. You have to have two because they get very lonely. So they come in pairs. So I bought oh. two little goats and I had them sitting on my lap as I drove home, which was a little farm pretty close. And then they started getting all this long, beautiful, curly hair. And I thought, what's going on? And so I researched it and they're uh, Angora goats. And so then I had to research about how to shear them. And so then I just had bags of wool everywhere. And then I had to research what to do with it. So I had to get a spinning wheel and learn how to spin. And then I had bags of yarn everywhere. So I had to research how to weave. So I got a loom. And so it's just like, it starts with one little thing. And then, and then eventually you get bored with the loom. And, um, and I, I moved to China. And so I gave the goats away and that sort of thing. And so then coming back to Arizona or coming to Phoenix, because that's just where, you know, I, I got a job offer. Wool is not in high demand. There's not like a lot of fuzzy bun festivals or alpaca shows. So yeah. I'm like, where do I get wool? Well, um, I guess I could do ceramic. So it's just, it comes and goes. So who knows what I'll be on next year? Something totally different. What do you find, I guess, the most challenging thing when you're, when you're first getting started because I would imagine at least with acting when we're trying to do a character or or a role we eventually hit a wall and if you don't want to work hard I give up but you seem to have this thing where you you break through that wall how do you push through that deadlines if deadlines. there is not like I, I swear it's great swear. <laughs> artist calls are great because they have deadlines if I'm working on something privately for myself it is like the most tedious project ever like I have this idea in my mind somebody out there can steal it if they want because I've been thinking about it for a while I want to do a series of photos of little tiny zen gardens in the cat sandbox 
That's so cute. It's like like a little bridge, a little barn. And you you look up close and you're like, wow, that's really beautiful. And you're like, wait a second, is that cat's hand? <laughs> and, then pretty thought, great. and then I thought, oh, and then I could do like, I could build off of it. Zen garden and teacups, Zen garden and a thimble, Zen garden and a hat or in a compost pile. And I, I just, it's, it's one of those things that if I'm doing it for myself, it might never get done. Uh-huh. Um, I might end up like doing something halfway and then giving it away to another artist to finish. Um, but if there's a deadline on something, I will just like plow right through it and turn out the most amazing thing possible. Yeah. Have you ever had a project that you sort of didn't feel, uh, fulfilled by um I, I guess i would equate it to like when i would do acting just for the money like there was no artistic growth i was oh. like i need money mm-hmm. yeah. i'm gonna sell my soul a little bit and do this yeah unfortunately um that's most of the artist calls that i do i'm not really creating the art for myself i'm creating the art for the audience yeah, because you have to think about it if you want it to sell. And if I'm making it just for myself, then oh, it's probably not going to sell. Yeah, it every it seems like every art piece I do. Um, but sometimes I do something for myself, but it's usually wearable art, like hmm. something avant-garde. Like I, I have, oh, let me go get this hat. I don't know if you, yeah. you know the, the Art Link Gala, like long time ago, the Art Link used to have, it was a, it, it was like a um, like a ball or a gala once okay. a year, and all the artists would go. And I have this amazing hat that I made when I went to um, the hair extension shop, and I just I fell in love with these hair extensions. And I thought I have to do something, and I have such a collection <sighs> of Asian hats. What? So it looks kind of like a like a steel lampshade, but it just fits on my head, and I can see through it. Because it's so thin, but it's just like a sea of lampshade of hair over my face. And it's the coolest thing. So, yeah, yeah I make a, this is not going to sell. Who's going to buy this? So these are the kind of things I make for myself. <laughs> it's pretty badass. Uh, I love the color on top. And yeah, the, the yeah. sea, that's exactly who yeah. what I thought of. Yeah. What do you do when you are stuck? When I'm stuck? Artistically. Oh, I have... I'll have several projects. I'll have at least five projects at the same time. So I'll just go on to the next one. Yeah. I constantly have to be moving. Um, I don't know if it's an OCD thing or FOMO thing, but if I'm not like, even if I'm watching TV, I have to be knitting or painting something or doing a lesson plan. Um, I just, I always have this anxiety that I'm forgetting to do something and then I'm going to fall behind. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like to put on while you, your projects i listen to a lot i'm not gonna lie i listen to a lot of antique tutorials or not tutorials but like um there's this guy called vintage nomad and he goes around the country and tells you about the antiques what's the history what it's worth how much you can sell it for and i just i really love learning about history or i'll watch um like really weird history um shows that you know the history of the victorian era or the history of whatever era I just yeah yeah, I'm always learning where do you think that comes from the love for history I say travel because uh yeah you really get to experience the cultures and you realize that through history like oh there's a lot of relation like um like looking up the history of the Yaki's okay so I lived in China correct 
Chinese immigrated to America to work on the railroad. My grandfather, who was Mexican, worked with a Chinese group of workers for, um, on the railroad. That's how he got his, um, his American status. If you had mm. built the railroad and you could prove that you had worked on the railroad, you, you got your American status. And there was, one, there was one day in the ledger where his name was signed on the Chinese work crew. And so yeah. he got his American status. And so I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Like that cultural like connection, even back then to Chinese. Also on my father, because that was my mother's side, on my father's side, the Yaquis, they were persecuted by the Mexican government under Presidente Porfirio. Mm. And their land was taken and they were sent to work camps to work on the Hennekin farms to supply American farmers with Hennekin to wrap their hay bales. But the Chinese workers that were there, so they split the Yaqui women from their men and team them up with a Chinese man. Because if you can't communicate in your language, you cannot plan to revolt. So any of these Chinese Yaqui babies that were born were sold for like 50 bucks. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Like on my father's side and my mother's side, there's some connection to like Chinese cultural, Chinese history. And then here I am in the present day and I was living in China at the time. And I thought that is just so crazy how like history repeats itself over and over. Yeah. But, yeah. So I just, I love history. It, it's kind of, I don't know if you could say conspiracy theorist, but there are like a lot of parallels if you really study your history. Yeah. I've been sort of realizing it as I'm growing up that I, I really don't know much. I never met my biological dad. And then my mom, um, she'll share a little bit here and there. And, I did um, 23andMe recently, so I'm waiting to see what that does, and then that way the government can track me forever. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't have that uh, that cultural bond. It sounds like it's really important to you. How important is it to you to know sort of where you come from? Hmm. I mean, it doesn't affect me every day, like in my daily life, but there are moments just as a human being where you sit and you reflect on your existence and the meaning of what you do and why you're here. And I, I think it's, if we weren't such a deep and intellectual species that it wouldn't really matter, but humans, we exist in the moment, but also in the future and in the present. Like, I don't know if other animals like reflect on their past and think about what will I be tomorrow? But we are one of those rare species that that's important for. So I think knowing our history is just important because we are able to reflect and think forward and project through time. And that reminds me like when I'll watch documentaries and like climate change will pop up and it seems like the people in charge are kind of just, let me just make money now. And then whatever happens to these people years from now. Yeah. I go, what? How, how are you able to comprehend that the world is going to explode? Not explode, but like it's just going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But you're cool with it. So you can make money. And it goes into what you're saying that we're, we are able to do that, to have that, um, yeah. that dual thinking. And then, yeah, you, you're like denying your, your human ability. Yeah, if you're if you're just thinking about now, 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 how does that make you different from any other animal that's just like food and sleep? Right. Yeah. They they de-evolved businessmen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're <laughs> such great people. Um, that would be a good book. The evolved businessman. What is 
something you were thinking about getting into, whether it's like high school, college, even now, really, that you you tried it a little bit and it didn't quite it didn't quite work. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so many projects and hobbies, so many languages. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just right now, I'm getting into succulents. And I, I can't I tell you if I'm successful or not because it's only been going for a few months. Oh my gosh. Every time they die, I just like tears down my face and I have to go buy more and then I have to problem solve something else. Um, I try to get into pheasants, like raising pheasants. That didn't work out. They are very finicky and my peacocks killed them. So. Oh no. <laughs> I got into peacocks. Yeah. <laughs> Those are okay. Yeah, there's just so many little things that I, I get into and I just say, okay, I guess that's not for me. Try to get to the, playing the cello and I just, I, I can, I can figure out like plucking the strings, but I just can't figure out the stupid bow that goes yeah. across. It's like, like rubbing your, your head and patting your tummy at the same time. Like, what? Yeah, no, there, yeah. there are some so things, things that are strange. I've tried um, like languages too. Uh, I have an app and I do it, uh, Spanish and French. But can I like have a conversation? No, but I can like play this game and like figure this stuff out. Um, yeah, I did a Duolingo for Yaki, but how often am I going to use that? I know one other Yaki. I know there's like a, a group up there that live up on the, in the hill in Guadalupe, but how often am I going to go up there and be like, I'm going to bust out my mad language skills? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I use that app too. I, th- I think now it's just doing the whole play the thing. And then when the little bird celebrates uh, mm-hmm. the chemicals released from my brain that I've accomplished something. Oh, the serotonin. Yeah. Your yeah. dopamine. So I just need that fix. I, I usually end with a little more random question. I, I guess they were all random. Do you have a song recommendation? What song is? Yeah. Um, like? Okay. So it's a Chinese. Oh, sorry. Sorry. My mistake. I'm a liar. It's a Taiwanese band. Cause you know, if you go to Taiwan and say they're Chinese, no, that's like telling a Hong Kongese or Chinese, but no. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, it's a Taiwanese band called Beyond. Uh, the lead singer is dead now, but you can still find their music on YouTube. And the name of the song is called Glorious Days, and it's about Man- Nelson Mandela. Oh, okay. Even if you don't know what it's about, you listen to it, and you just feel really moved. Like, oh my gosh, just something in them. They're, they're singing about something that they really believe in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I recommend that. It's a good song. Cool. I'll find it. Who do you go out of your way to be nice to? <laughs> Nobody. Human? Human or not human? <laughs> my cat? <laughs> that was the um, correct answer. Yes. My cat. <laughs> a phone on his scratch. People who think I'm a terrible person for whoever, just because of whoever I voted for. There's a lot of um, just bad energy out there. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. Sometimes yeah. angry students, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, all right, oh, well, gosh. still do. <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with parents? Like, uh, mm. parents yeah, that don't, I guess, agree with uh, maybe your assessment of the, the student or just just any conflict at all with, with parents? Yeah, that that's a tough one. And it's harder at the, the mainstream schools than it is in an alternative school. At the alternative school, 
everyone knows why that kid is here. Mm. So if I got a call on the parents, it's not a surprise. Like, oh my gosh, my kid has never been in trouble. No, no, no. That's why they're here. So yeah. let me tell you what they did today. But, you know, uh, it's very rare that a parent owns up to, yeah, I need to be more involved or I need to watch out for that. So I just, I let them yell at me and I just sit there and I said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, well, just to let you know that, you know, this is their grade. And if they want to get it up, here are the facts. I just say, you know, very matter of factual about it. And then, okay, if you have any questions, please call me. But yeah, you can't get emotional about it because uh, what's I going to do? I don't know. It's, just, it's gonna, yeah. I think, I think teachers need to have a counselor on site at schools because oh there gosh, are some yes. days. And I think all nurses aides need to have a massage therapist on site wherever they work because yeah, we don't think about the the burnout emotionally or physically, but yeah, I think teachers should have an on-site counselor. I know there's a counselor for the kids, but no, no, we need a separate counselor. One right. that we can be like, oh, I'm just having this issue. And but okay. but you're taught you're taught in the big schools to just you know be quiet and don't like stand out because then you don't get your contract renewed the next year. So yeah, uh, that's that's stressful. The closer it gets to renewing, like the end of the year. Yeah, you're like excited for summer, but you have anxiety because you don't know if they're going to renew your contract. So I think about like everything I said that could be taken the wrong way or oh, no. time I was late to a meeting. I'm like, oh, am I going to get my contract this year? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I like the idea of having a counselor for the teachers because there'll be yeah. times where I need to vent to somebody, um, mm-hmm. but I can't. Um, yeah. And that the students vent to us and we just take that on our shoulders and then what do we do with that? Don't take it home to your family. So yeah, yeah. There, there should be an option. Yeah. Uh, drinking in the car. Uh, <laughs> wait, what? Um, your tattoos. Can you tell me about one of them? If that's okay. Uh, this one is Jonathan Livingston Siegel from okay. the, the book. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. I am not. Okay. So in the seventies, um, before you and I were born, we we're just a twinkle in in our mom's eyes, there was a book called Jonathan Livingston Siegel, and it's about a seagull that he can travel through time and space based Whoa. on just his perception. So it's the book starts out with the allegory of the cave, I think. Oh, no, that's that's another book that the author wrote where it's called um, Tale of the Reluctant Messiah. It's about if Jesus came back as a, a car mechanic. But anyways, Whoa. so you know, the, the allegory of the cave is everybody's mm-hmm. looking at this wall, and we can see shadows. And to our back is the light source. But we're just focused on the shadows. And to us, that is what our world is, what reality is like, okay, I see a circle here. And I see this in here. One person decides to turn around. And they see the source of what's causing all the shadows. And they're like, whoa, Like what we thought on the wall is not how it is. If you just turn around and he's trying to convince these people to turn around. So in the Jonathan Livingston Siegel book, it's, you know, it's kind of dumbed down for kids. The Siegel is trying to teach the other Siegels like, look, this whole world of us just being Siegels, it's all in our perception. And it's crazy. But yeah, it it kind of, um, you can apply that to anything in life. Like, oh, I live in Phoenix and it's so hot and, blah, blah, blah. Or you can be like, yeah, I live in Phoenix and amazing sunsets and sunrises. And it's just, it's all in your perception and it takes you to a totally different place 
I you read my diary because I wrote down it is hot I in did. Phoenix again. I did. <laughs> again. Dear diary for the 400th day in a row. Um, are you planning on getting any more tattoos or if um, I could ask what it would be? I thought about it, but there's metal in tattoos. You don't think about that. Wait, and what? I went, yeah, you didn't know I did, that tell them no, the I, colors. It's metal. If you ever go through an MRI machine, you will burn because you'll feel the metal being pulled out of your skin. So a long time ago, uh, I had um, a tumor in my uterus in China. And they said, we have to save your uterus because, you know, everyone, every woman must have one child. And I hadn't had a child. So they're like, we must save your uterus at all times or at all possible. So they sent me through an MRI machine. I, I swear my back and my arms were on fire from where the ink was pulling out because it's a giant magnet that goes around you. So after I learned that, yeah, the metal in the tattoos is real, I thought, mm, maybe I don't want that because I don't know, if, like, you know, when it breaks down in the sun, where does it flush out to? Is that like metal settling in my kidneys? I don't know. So oh, damn I'm it. like totally paranoid about that. Yeah. You got some tattoos? I do. I uh, one <laughs> five. I have five. Um, just don't go into an MRI machine or just be warned. If you do, it's going to feel like it's burning because the metal is pulling up out of your skin from the magnetism. How fun. What and a now fun you thing know. For me to, fun thing for me to look forward to. Avoid. Let me write that. Avoid <laughs> yeah. MRI machines at all yeah. costs. Um, do you mind talking about that, about you having the tumor in your uterus? What was? Yeah. So for years, I didn't have health insurance back when I lived in America in 2009. And uh, just, yeah, couldn't afford health insurance. It was like, more than my car payments. Yeah. So um, I just, I always had this terrible pain in my stomach and I would get lightheaded and almost pass out and get a, was it orthostatic hypotension where you just feel really woozy and your blood is not flowing. And the doctor would always say, oh, it's just endometriosis and here's some uh, muscle relaxers. And when do the ultrasound? Because that costs money and mm -hmm. I didn't have insurance. Or when I finally did get insurance, it didn't cover the ultrasound. Yay. So then when I went to China, um, the the women in our, our little um, teacher's area, they were going to, they're all Chinese. I was the only American. They were all going to get their little monthly or, you know, the, the women's, or the, the yearly women's exam. And I mm -hmm. said, well, can I go too? And they said, no, no, they said, no, because you're not married. And I said, well, I'm divorced. Does that count? And they said, no, because you're a foreigner. Like my guts were on the, on the wrong side of my body or something because they'd never dealt with foreigners before. So okay. I convinced them like, no, I'm going to the doctor with you guys. So they did the ultrasound and they're like, whoa. And they're whisper, whisper, whisper in Chinese. And it was a tumor, like the size of a walnut, but like in the shell. And they had to, um, when I finally went to go get my surgery, my doctor, I think, so I'm laying on the table. I had two doctors, one male, one female. And I look up and I said to my doctor, I said, how old are you? And she said, 22. And I said, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die on this operating table. And then 22? they gave me, and then, well, because when you study, that's all you study from like the moment you are old enough to go to school, the, the parents are like, you will be a doctor. You will be a doctor. So this kid has uh, probably true. never taken never taken, oh, not a kid anymore, but she probably never taken an art class or a PE class because it was all about doctor, doctor, doctor. And that's mm -hmm. the only thing she'd ever studied. And, and her, um, her coworker, he was equally young, but 
yeah, I woke up. I was just fine. They had to break the tumor up into three pieces and pull it out through a hole under my belly button. And, and the whole operation and hospital stay for two days cost me 200 American dollars. What? Yeah. I couldn't have done it. Like, and to see the doctor, like, you know, when you go to visit a doctor and you pay like 50 bucks over there, it's like 10 cents because they work for the government. They don't work yeah. independently. So if you're going to sue somebody, how do you sue the government? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so isn't I'm that crazy? Yeah. I, so if, if you ever have a medical emergency, go to China and uh-huh. get it taken care of. Uh, I'll be good with that. And, or even just, yeah, I would go to a bar, look for a 22 year old and give them the scalpel and say, I'm going to guess you might know how to do this. What songs have you completely memorized? Mm, English songs? Anything. Oh, there's the the one about pulling up the carrot. It's the it's Chinese song about you're pulling up the carrot and you say, it's too big. Someone help me. Okay. okay yeah. I know that one. Yeah. It's mostly children's music for me at the moment because my, mm-hmm. my students um in that frame of mind that's all yeah. i can think about yeah yeah what are you most insecure about um man so many things i mean if you if you threw a rock in one direction and it hit something i'd say yeah i'm insecure about that yeah i'm not i'm not a, a super super confident person in anything i do i just think yeah it's good enough it, it's good enough to get me by that's a hard one. Uh, e- even f- the ceramics that you see on my on my site, I'm just like, it's good, but it's not the best. And so insecure about people critiquing that. That's why I don't sign my name on a lot of things. Cause I'm like, I don't want anyone to know what that is. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> do you find it hard to receive compliments? Yes. In China, no. Because if someone tells you something, it means it. But in America, it's a lot of complimenting of, oh, you did good today. <laughs> oh, you look nice. But in China, they'll be like, oh, your, your hair looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like, why are you with them? <laughs> yeah. Why are you dating this person? They're very ugly. They'll just say that. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, I yeah. find it when I, I'm trying to like pinpoint where maybe it's like, the my parents not showing love or whatever it may be but when I do get a compliment I don't know it's not right I I crumble in myself and I um it's not received well trying to get a little better at it Um, I feel like an actor as an actor that would be really hard because I don't know like for me I can make something and slide it across the table and walk out of the room and people won't know that I did it but for you you have to be there presently because mm-hmm. your artwork is with you in the moment and yeah I couldn't do that good on you and I almost acting almost made it worse because you know when when I do something funny or whatever it may be you have the the, the theater audience there to instantly react uh and you get the sort of validation okay I did that right or when when we'd come out of the dressing room and they were there to say hey good job I'm finding it more when I would write poetry or do this podcast and I throw it out into the universe. There's no one there saying, Hey, that was a, that was a good, you did a great job. There's no one doing it. So now I'm like, I need applause. Where is it? It's ridiculous. But I don't know how to turn it off. Um, I'm going to go cry now. Um, <laughs> would you rather never get angry again or never be jealous again? The jealous yeah I yeah I don't like feeling jealous because 
I just don't. Yeah. I mean, A, it means that you're unhappy with what you have. And I never want to feel ungrateful for what I have because I know I have a lot. I have like, yeah, I live in a house, I have running water, a toilet. Um, yeah, I have parents. I have, you know, it's like I have friends. I, I have somebody that I can call if I get issues with. I never want to feel like that's not enough. And I think being jealous is just saying that I am dissatisfied for all that I've worked for and all that my mother's worked for mm. and all my, my boyfriends worked for. And that would just be like throwing dirt in their face. Like, yeah, you, you did work really hard to provide me with these things, but it's not enough. And yeah, I would rather n- never be jealous again, but you can't help it. It just happens. Yeah. And it, it's such an easy thing to, I, for me at least to fall into in that, oh, I don't have that. But when you, you do start to dissect it more, you are sort of saying maybe you're unhappy or insecure about what you do currently have. And yeah, I find it easier to, to slip into that than to slip into anger. Um, I worry that even if I did obtain what I'm jealous about, I would feel guilty afterwards because I'd want to share it with everybody. I don't know, like, like, so there's this amazing ice cream cone that somebody has. I'm like, oh, I want that ice cream cone. But then the moment I get it, I feel guilty for those who don't have it. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of person I am. So it's like an endless, it's like Sisyphus pushing a rock up the hill. I, I'm never going to yeah. be satisfied. Yeah. Until everyone's equal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I'll still find something. <laughs> it'll be something to, yeah, something else. What is your favorite ice cream? I do like mint chip. It's a good one. I like to eat all the green stuff first and save the chips for last. And then I eat all the chips at once and I chew them up real fast. And Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's I used awesome. to, I, there's like certain ways I, I eat things. And I think it's the OCD, like peanut M&Ms. I eat all the chocolate on one side of my mouth and I store all the peanuts on the other side of my mouth. And then when I'm done with the bag, I chew up the peanuts really fast and I make peanut butter. <laughs> that's pretty great. I am going to yeah. try try to challenge myself to do that um it's really hard yeah no it definitely sounds even the the ice cream that sounds difficult like i just like a garbage disposal everything it's my it's my zen moment like you know where i just don't have to think anything and i just like the act of eating the the ice cream around the the chips or something it's just that zen moment that you know i'm sure other people have it with other things gardening sewing this is the last one. If you had to relive a day, one day of your life, which day would it be? <sighs> had to or get to? Because had to implies it's negative. Get oh, to. That's true. Yeah. Get to. Okay. Get to relive a moment. The I would relive the day I met my boyfriend just because... I think it was such a, an interesting moment. And, you know, like if I could have foreseen that I would be spending the rest of my life with him. Oh, dang. No, I actually met him when I was in high school. I wouldn't want to meet him again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. He was annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Very ADHD and all over the place. No, um, the day I met him at the yarn shop. And I totally okay. thought he was gay because he was talking about knitting balloon animals and he was wearing this beautiful lavender shirt. And I thought, oh, I can always use another gay friend. <laughs> he gave me his number. I would like to relive that moment. That would be fun. That's pretty awesome. I like that. 
Well, thank you for for doing this. You you opened with uh, you weren't interesting and you lied. Your pants are on fire. So thank yeah, you for that. They, they are. Uh, I th- I thoroughly enjoyed this. I I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. You know, you shared quite a bit. I I just love doing this because having these conversations is really eye opening and to to connect with another person. I think it's important so we don't sort of forget that it's okay what we're feeling, uh, and it's mm-hmm. not some absurd thing in our own heads. It's someone else somewhere out there is going through something similar or whatever it may be. Especially since COVID has isolated us, oh, we just forget how to be gosh. human beings. Yeah. Oh. So I I talk to you know the people who call you to like tell you there's a warrant out for your arrest, uh-huh. and you know they're like from India and they're scamming you. Sometimes I talk to them because I'm lonely. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just oh, see how long I can talk to them. <laughs> but yeah, this whole COVID thing, it's just like isolated people so much that we've forgotten how to be human beings. Yeah, that human connection. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you again. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. I'll see you later or talk to you later. Yes. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I think knowing our history is just important because we are able to reflect and think forward and project through time and mm-hmm.